In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me and that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins, for the grace to make this time a prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. Tomorrow, we celebrate the second Sunday of Advent. And the Church puts before us a great passage from the prophet Isaiah, speaking of the effects that Christ will bring about. The spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, a spirit of wisdom and of understanding, a spirit of counsel and of strength, a spirit of knowledge and a fear of the Lord. And his delight shall be the fear of the Lord. Not by appearance shall he judge, nor by hearsay shall he decide, but he shall judge the poor with justice and decide aright for the lands afflicted. He shall strike the ruthless with the rod of his mouth, And with the breath of his lips, he shall slay the wicked. Justice shall be the band around his waist and faithfulness a belt upon his hips. Jesus is so comforting and good for us to know that you come to make things right. Righteousness, to be right, and justice are the same thing. Jesus comes to fix things, to fix souls and to fix humanity, to make things right. And that rightness leads to a great peace, a lack of strife, a lack of violence or struggle, both between people and in the world as a whole and also in our own souls. Isaiah goes on. Then... Right Then, after this justice is established, then the wolf shall be a guest of the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the kid, and the calf and the young lion shall browse together with a little child to guide them. The cow and the bear shall be neighbors, together their young shall rest. The lion shall eat hay like the ox. The baby shall play by the cobra's den, and the child lay his hand on the adder's lair. There shall be no harm or ruin on my holy mountain, for the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as water covers the sea. Obviously, it's a, it's a prophetic image, and ultimately this will only take place at the end of the world when Jesus' kingdom is fully established and when all rebellion against God ceases at the end of the world where people can't sin or hurt each other anymore. There won't be any tension anymore. But nevertheless, Lord, we know that the kingdom of God, which will have its fulfillment at the end of time, is always here. It's always among us. It's always already growing. And so it's good for us to reflect on this mission of Christ to bring peace. The peace, the calm, the order right, that Christ brings. It's something he wants for us. I leave you peace, my peace I give you. We quote those words at the end of every Mass before the sign of peace that we give to each other. Christ tells us 
My peace I leave to you. My peace I give you. My peace I leave to you. Not as the world gives, do I give it to you. And what is that peace? Well, peace is closely connected with order or with right relationships. St. Augustine says this very powerful definition of peace. He says, peace is the tranquility of order. Tranquilitas ordinis. And so when things are in order, there's a tranquility or, or a calmness that follows. And that's peace. Maybe you've experienced this, that if you're in a room that's messy, perhaps your own room, and then you clean it, well, you just feel calmer and you feel better because your surroundings, which are connected to you, are more ordered. And that transmits a certain tranquility to you and to your soul. Or perhaps when you have a problem and whenever you have a problem, it's like something's not quite right, right? Something is missing. Something's not in order. And you can't really, if it's a big problem or something, maybe it's not big, it's just bugging you like a crossword puzzle or the next move in a chess game or, or whatever, right? You can't really rest until you figure that out. You know, you have to, that thing has to be put in its place. It has to be resolved. It has to be solved for you to rest. There was a famous composer. I can't remember now if it was Bach or Mozart, but his children used to mess with him they'd be at a piano upstairs and their father would be downstairs and they would play a chord progression, but they wouldn't resolve it to the back to the root or the right, the root chord of the progression. So they'd be like, dun, 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 dun. And they'd leave it like that. And then I think it was Bach. I can't remember. He would, whoever this guy was, He'd be so frustrated, right, that it was left hanging that he'd have to run upstairs and hit the last, right, hit the last chord in order to uh, complete, right, the order that's supposed to be there. And this is us that, Lord, if we're not, if our, if our relationship to you especially isn't in the right place, well, we're going to be restless. We're not going to have peace. We're going to be agitated. And this is what Christ comes to bring. Jesus, you are our Redeemer. You are our Savior. You come to bring us reconciliation with God through the forgiveness of sins. And then little by little, the complete overcoming of sin through our sanctity, through God's mercy, through our work, on our virtues. The closer we are to God, the more we overcome sin and the more we are align ourselves with his will by doing his will and developing the virtues that help us to love him and others, the more peace we'll have because we realize, no, I'm in the right spot. It's not just that my room is ordered or that I figured out the problem to that, the answer to that problem that was bothering me. But the problem that is myself is okay. Right? I'm, I'm in the right spot. And of course, that doesn't mean that we don't strive or grow And so there's a kind of static order, like the room being clean, that is peaceful. But there's also an order to an end or order to a, to a good goal that we still have to achieve. And yes, it takes some work. It takes a lot of work, a lot of striving, a lot of effort, maybe even some uncertainty. 
But if it's the right end and we know we're moving towards it, well, there's still a piece to that. Whereas if we don't know if the end we're moving towards is the right one or if we discover it's the wrong one, well, that's, that's very disconcerting. Maybe you've had this experience, right? You're relying on ways to get somewhere. So you punch in your address that you want to get to. And then because we're not true men anymore, we don't know where we're going. We just listen to this voice and follow this screen. And then maybe after a while, you've had the experience that after a while you realize this doesn't seem quite right. And you double check the destination and it's sending you home instead of to work or whatever, right? It's like, oh, I put the wrong address in. And then now you're like, what? how do I get back to where the heck am I? I'm heading in the wrong direction. And that can happen with our life, Lord, unless we're really focused on your will, unless we know our vocation and are committed to it. We can be moving forward with a lot of effort and a lot of suffering and a lot of, uh, a lot of energy, a lot of sacrifice, but towards the wrong goal. And so the tranquility of order is not just the order of things that are like right now in the right place, but the order of things to an end, right? Am I moving to the right end? Do I have the right ordering to what God wants me to grow into or what God wants me to become? Lord, your love for us reconciles us with you, and that's a great source of peace. We know that we're okay when we're in the state of grace, when we're moving to do God's will. And that also leads us to kind of heal ourselves interiorly, or God heals us interiorly. So we're at peace with God, and then we become at peace with ourselves because we realize that you love us, and you love us with our defects. God loves me, God forgives me, and that means he understands my defects. And so I have to be at peace with myself. Yes, I have to work on my defects. Yes, it's going to take time. Yes, there's things I need to improve. But we have to do it with a kind of self-compassion and self, a good self-love because God loves us and he's not impatient with our defects. For most people, he doesn't just like cure immediately of their struggle to be good. Sometimes he does that. Right? Like St. Thomas Aquinas received the gift of like perfect chastity. He never had to struggle to be pure after he received this gift of chastity. It was like an angel came and put this cincture on him, you know, tightened his. And that was it, right? He never had a temptation again. That was after he very heroically resisted a temptation. His brothers like locked him up in this. They, they kidnapped him because he was trying to be a Dominican. Then his brothers locked him up in this room and then they brought a woman of ill repute into the room to tempt him. And St. Thomas Aquinas took a, took a torch and tried to set her on fire. And so she ran out of the room screaming. And after that, God said, okay, I guess you're serious about purity. Right, you, won't have any more, you won't have any more temptations. But for most of us, we have to struggle, right? We have to struggle. Sometimes we might fall on little things or maybe even big thing sometimes. And we get back up and we keep moving. And God loves us the whole time. And so, yeah, we have to fight. Yeah, we have to work on ourselves, on our sinfulness, whether it's anger, whether it's our vanity, our pride, whether it's 
our laziness or our sensuality. Of course, we have to work on things. But we're at the same time, we're at peace with ourselves because we accept ourselves as sinners. If we don't accept ourselves as sinners, well, then we don't get forgiven. To go to confession is to kind of, in a certain sense, to accept that you need God's forgiveness, which is to accept that right now I'm a sinner and this is where I am and God's okay with that. Lord, you are so patient with with sinners. It's amazing. Jesus is on the cross, being nailed to the cross. And he says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. They know not what they do. He's like, okay, they're killing me, but I, I want them to be reconciled with you. And so no matter how bad we are, at a certain level, we have to be okay with ourselves because God's okay with ourselves. Do we have to say we're sorry? Do we have to be better? Of course, we have to turn our back on sin and try to be better and try not to hurt God and others. But with a certain peace and a certain confidence in God without a kind of bad self-hatred or an impatience with sin. So Lord, you come and you offer us reconciliation with God, which brings us a great peace. You also reconcile us with ourselves. We can love ourselves in the right way because you love us. And then also our Lord brings us peace with other people because he tells us, look, you shouldn't even have enemies. Love your enemies, Jesus says. Do good to those who persecute you. It's like Abraham Lincoln said in that inaugural address, with malice towards none. A great time of great division and hatred in the country right after the, or during the Civil War, right? With malice towards none. And so even though others might not wish peace to us or wish goodwill to us for our own part, we're at peace with them because we want what God wants for them. We love them with God's heart. And that's so good because any sort of hatred or enmity or willful bad will towards others is always a great source of a lack of peace. It's, it's, it's a source of suffering for the soul. The soul wants to love. The soul is not made to hate. We're made in the image and likeness of God. So anytime we hate someone or willfully neglect or indifferent to someone, it's bad for our soul. Our soul does not like that. It's a lack of peace in the soul. And so to live charity, Lord, at least to say, okay, I'm going to try to love everyone. And people who hurt me, I'm going to try to be like you, Lord, and forgive them. Well, that's a great source of peace because we know for our part, we're okay. We're doing what we should do and, and um, we're where we should be, right? We're in the right order. We have goodwill to them even if they don't have goodwill towards us. There's an amazing passage in St. Paul. Ephesians 2. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near in the blood of Christ. For he is our peace who made us both one and has broken down the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing in his flesh the law of commandments and ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, 
so making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby bringing the hostility to an end. What was he talking about here? He's talking basically about the hostility that existed between Gentiles and the Jews. And he said, well, now that we're all Christians, we were one in the body of Christ. We're one in the church because we're baptized into Christ's body. So Christ's blood on the cross destroyed this division between Gentiles and Jews, and now we're one. And so there's no longer any strife between us because we're one in Christ. And that goes, Lord, not just for the distinction between Gentile and Jew, but it goes for all Christians, that every Christian is your brother. You are one in Christ with every Christian, whether they're Catholic or not. They're all baptized, and therefore they all belong to the same mystical body of Christ. And by extension, Lord, well, we want to love and we have to love whoever and whatever you love. And Jesus is on the cross for everyone. God the Father loves everyone. God is love. And so we can't, you know, as, as Catholics, we can't say, oh, I love God, but I don't love this person or I hate this person or I, I willfully neglect this person. Well, that's a total contradiction. If we say we love God, we have to love what God loves, or at least try to love what God loves. And that's a great source of peace, again, because um, because any sort of um, ill will towards people causes the soul a lack of peace, because the soul is made to be like God, and God is love. Deus caritas est. St. Paul gives great advice on how to maintain peace in... Um, his letter to the uh, other people. The the Philippians. The Philippians. This is a great passage. Philippians 4. The Philippians is such a short chapter that I often flip right by it. (laughs) Okay. Like right now. Corinthians. Philippians. St. Paul says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let all men know your forbearance. The Lord is at hand. Have no anxiety about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And he's going to go on to talk about peace immediately, but it's good for us to reflect on this on these first couple of verses of this passage. Joy is connected with peace. Joy is rest. When we have something good and we know it's good, We rest in it, and that is joy, or that is pleasure. And so St. Paul says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. God is close to you. The Lord is at hand. And so since, Lord, you're always with us, you're always close to us, there's always a reason for us to be joyful. We have God, and God loves us, and God is on our side. And then he says, 
Have no anxiety about anything, right? Don't lose your peace. Don't worry about things. Don't be fearful. Have no anxiety about anything. But rather, in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And so if you need something, don't worry about it. Pray. And pray with thanksgiving because you know that God's going to take care of you. Pray for it. Let your requests be made known to God by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. And then we have the culmination of this. He says, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This is the peace that our Lord has come to bring. It surpasses all understanding. It's a mystery. It's the peace of God himself, but in us. And then, like as a little afterward to this wonderful passage, St. Paul says, all right, do you want to keep that peace? Think about the right things. Don't think about things that are going to make you lose your peace. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is gracious, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace will be with you. And so Paul is basically saying, you know, don't think about things that are going to make you lose your peace. On per- you know, don't think about them on purpose. Right? Put your attention on the things that are good and will make you truly happy and will make you better and more virtuous. Pull your mind out of the things that are temptations or stupid or, or merely a waste of time. Right? Rest with the good things. Rest in what's good, which means rejoice in the Lord always. And the peace of God which passes all understanding, will keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And this takes effort. St. Josemaria would say that, that peace is the result of victory. And victory, we know, is the result of struggle, of fighting. There's no victory without an effort to fight against, against the obstacles, against the opponent. Peace is the result of victory, and victory is a result of a certain battle. But it's a battle, he would say, it's a war of love and peace. So it's a battle that we fight at the same time with a certain calmness and a certain equanimity. It's not a battle that we fight like terrified or, you know, uh, with hatred. It's a battle that we fight with love, even for ourselves. Why, Lord? Because we know that you're with us and that you love us and that you're patient and and that, you know, as long as we keep trying, we're going to be okay. So it's not a battle that we fight with fear or with hatred or with a lack of peace. It's a war, a beautiful war, St. Josemaria would say, a beautiful war of love and peace. And then we become what he would call sowers of peace and joy. A beautiful vocation of the Christians that we become with our own peace because we're reconciled to God because we're at peace with ourselves, because we have no ill will towards other people, we're at peace with others as much as possible. We become sowers of peace and joy, right? We, we share, we spread what we have. And this is so important, right, for our day and age. We see that people really are divided. And, you know, 
both and Christians can fall into this, right? We can think, oh well, the other side they're so bad and their doctrines are so pernicious and they have such a lack of understanding of right and wrong that it's okay to persecute them or it's okay to quote unquote hate them or it's okay to alienate them. And it's absolutely not, right? That's not what Christ did. Obviously we have to we have to um help people with the truth, with the defend ourselves against error, help you know young people be defended against error and against uh, bad ideas and bad practices, bad customs. Sure, of course. But the people, right? We can't hate people. Jesus is on the cross for all those people, however confused they are. And so therefore, at least in our heart, we have to love them, we have to pray for them, we have to try to treat them with respect, treat them well, even if they don't treat us well. And in that way, we'll be sowers of peace and joy in a world that many times lacks both peace and joy. We, we, we become the spiritual antidote to this time of division and hatred and confusion. And that's a beautiful vocation, Lord. Thank you for trusting us with this vocation to be you in this world, to be an instrument to reconcile the world with God, an instrument to bring about this peace that Isaiah foresaw, right? The lion lies down with the lamb. We go to Our Lady. Our Lady is the Queen of Peace, Regina Pachis, Queen of Peace. And we ask her to pray for us, help us to not skip any steps in this peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. There are various steps. First of all, reconciliation with God. And if we ever need it, we go to confession for big sins. And then we go regularly just to keep our souls clean, our souls united to God in God's mercy. And then, Lord, working on our virtue, the more united we are with your will, the more we're heading in the right direction. Even though there's effort and striving, we're still at peace. We're at peace about our life. We're at peace about where we are and where we're heading. And then, Lord, reconciliation with others to make sure that we're forgiving, that we don't exclude anyone from our charity, from our goodwill, that we pray for the whole world. We pray for our quote-unquote enemies. And so, Our Lady, help us to live these steps. Reconciliation with God, reconciliation with ourself, and reconciliation with others. The peace that Christ has come to bring us. Our Lady, Queen of Peace, Regina Pachis, Ora Pernobis, pray for us. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations which you have communicated to me in this meditation. I ask your help to put them into effect. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me.